When I cuss, my heart is happy. Please be advised. Hey y'all, I'm Jen. I'm from Oakland and I'm an androgynous, black, lesbian, feminist, and a lover of all black people. This is Darren. I'm an asexual novelist, researcher, and bona fide comic book fanatic from the widest part of Southern California. Orange County. We're queer millennials with three kids and nearly 20 years of marriage. This is a podcast about the realities of blackness, adulting, and relationships. This is That Black Couple. Hi. Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? My heart is warm. It's warm? It's warm. I love that. I'm not high. So your heart's not warm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm happy to be here, though. Uh, we had to delay this episode because we had to hear if Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson was going to get confirmed, and she did. She did. And now it's time for us to talk about it. Despite all of the crazy mess. Absolutely. She still made it. So what do we want What do we want people to drink for this episode? Ooh. I feel like it's complicated because, I mean, we're celebrating, but also, do you celebrate when somebody joins the Imperial Hegemony? How do you celebrate that? I Listen, I'm drinking a tall glass of ice water. I'm thirsty and I'm dehydrated, so I should be drinking that too. I think, I think that's what everyone should drink. I think we should all hydrate today. Let's just hydrate and drink ice water because honestly, it's complicated. So we're celebrating because a, a black woman achieved her goals, but we're going we gonna, we gonna, we gonna to discuss it. We're going to deconstruct it a little bit. Okay. Well, this is episode 36, Black Women and the Trouble with Being the First. Are y'all ready? You know I'm ready. Sit down, go get you a tall glass of ice water, cool yourself down, get a lemon. Apparently, you're not supposed to have ice water because it's not the natural way to drink water, but that's how I prefer it. Warm water is nasty. <laughs> you you, you different. Like you real different. But you, I agree you with you. You can call me weird. I'm not offended. Oh, no. We're not using word. I, I'm using weird. You're I'm strange. Weird. You're strange. I'm weird. Okay. This is That Black Couple. I'm Jen. I'm Darren. Before we get started, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ThatBLKCouple, on Facebook at That Black Couple, and look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. You can stream all of our episodes on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, all those places. Any place you can find the podcast, you can find us. And everywhere you find a podcast, we need you to rate us high, give us amazing, great comments, because I bet you, I bet you, our podcast is the best podcast you've ever heard. You gotta relax, bro. (laughs) Am I wrong? I mean, we are fantastic people, and our podcast is simply perfection. Um, We're both earth signs. We have a Taurus over here, and I'm a Virgo, so whatever we produce is going to be amazing. Obviously. But beyond that, you gotta relax. (laughs) y'all ready to get started with first things first yeah let go okay so i really want to talk about justice katanji brown jackson and i want to say that i'm very excited i'm happy that a black woman with her bona fides uh, with her skills and with her ambitions was able to reach the supreme court now 
let's put a caveat on that and say that any person who is joining uh, the United States government in any form or fashion, whatever branch, executive, judicial, or legislative branch, um, is joining a hegemonic, imperialistic state, nation state, uh, that we know has worked to spread its form of Republican democracy across the world and engages in acts of war that are violent and awful and typically hurt people who are brown, poor, and who have less access to resources. Wow, that was that was a hell of a disclaimer. I want to make sure people understand that. It's true. I don't want people to be like, oh my God, Jen thinks it's cool to be on the super that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. So we can say we can hold both truths, right? We can hold both truths. Two things can be true at the same time. That this woman has obviously been working her whole life to do this. Mm-hmm. And also the United States is fucked up. Yeah. Okay. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this is because there is a lot that we have to talk about when it comes to being the first something, right? It's 2022, and this is the first black woman to ever sit on the Supreme Court. Now, I want to give some background to that. Um, the very first black person to join the Supreme Court was Thurgood Marshall in 1967. Uh, we have a, a sliver of a ghost of a black person <laughs> who was appointed in 1991. Uh, Clarence Thomas. We don't count him. So technically, before Justice Ketanji Brown we, Jackson, we got we to gotta count him. I'm not counting him. We got to count him. I'm not counting him. We got to count him. I'm not in, counting him. In, in skin tone alone. No, we don't. We, we no. That, That's not enough. No. I mean, I, I guess if you work against black people, if you actively disabuse yourself of all blackness, I'm not counting you with black people. That's it. He wanted black people to be like, well, you know, I'm not here just for black people. I'm also here for people who are five foot eight. You know, (laughs) no, no. Anyway, moving on. So Thurgood Marshall was the last time we had a black Supreme Court justice. That was 1967. Clarence Thomas, the sliver of a ghost of a black man, has been there since 1991. He was appointed by George Bush. But what's important to also understand is that this, the Supreme Court has been highly segregated in terms of gender as well. The very first woman appointed to the Supreme Court was in 1981. That was Sandra Day O'Connor. Um, remind you that the Supreme Court was created in 1789. So that's almost just to count it almost 200 years okay almost 200 years um that it took to have a woman on the supreme court okay uh what we also need to understand is that ruth bader ginsburg came after that sonia sotomayor came after that she's latina elena kagan came after that she's jewish and now we have justice katanji brown jackson so at this point we have only had one two three four five women on the supreme court um out of you know, however many that I'm not about to sit here and count. Okay. So I want us to understand that when we're talking about this, we're talking about a a win in air quotes, right? A win that came after more than 200 years. Okay. Um, of toil for justice Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, this is roughly 240 years that it took for a black woman to sit on the Supreme court. So I understand the excitement and I think it is amazing to be excited about this woman reaching her goals and, and, and actualizing her ambitions over the course of her career. I think that's wonderful. Um, I also want to say that there's something about these white supremacist anti-black spaces and the ways that we have to fight and struggle 
struggle to get into them. And then when we get there, you know, we also still have to endure the culture of anti-blackness, the culture of massage noir, the culture of white supremacy once we are there. And so I, I, I am excited for her, but I also am very sad for her because I know that she is going to be absolutely miserable. And not only will she be miserable, she will be expected to carry the load of all things blackness and woman and the intersections thereof for the duration of her time on the court. I mean, that That's what the whole confirmation, all the hearings, that was what it was right. like. It was her basically sitting there. And defending everything about black people and queerness and CRT and books. I mean, she literally had to sit there and was pelted by these white men who, you know, could walk onto the Supreme Court depending on who the damn president is in, in a given in a given year. You're not wrong. And that is something I want to talk about today. Wow. Okay. Well, what I wanted to talk about is a little bit different, mm-hmm. well, but but also very much the same, right? So for me, when I when I thought about us doing this episode about first, the first person I thought about was Lauren Hill. Yeah. And that's because I remember. And it was a big moment when the when she went for those Grammys and she just she won all in Grammys for Miseducation. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, she released that album in 1998, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, um, and it was the 41st Grammy Award. She had 10 nominations, mm-hmm. 10 nominations. Um, that's the most a woman has ever received in one ceremony. Wow. Number one. And then she won five Grammys that night. And I just remember. That picture of her when, mm, after she's holding, she was off, holding her off five, and she, yep. you know, it, look, it literally looks like she's about to just drop yep. all of them because of all these big awards. And I just remember thinking, wow, how amazing this 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 woman, this rapper, went there and was just honored to this degree. But now I look at it in hindsight, and I'm like, this poor woman, right, right. And I feel like this this is is a, a common this is a common thread. Yes, this is a common thread across a lot of people, especially people of color, especially women, where you reach a level of success and the pressure and the weight that comes from that is literally crushing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think about her trajectory and her career after that and, and the speeches that she's given and what she talked about happened behind the scenes after all of that in the, in the wake of all the success. And I just remember thinking, this is so horrible that how, how this happens over and over and over again, we find someone, we celebrate them. We say how amazing they are. And then we just, load them up with expectations right especially black women we expect their labor to just extend beyond the parameters of their of their jobs of their roles it's like not only do they have to do the job that they came to to do they have to now also carry all these kind of additional stereotypes in and uh, the the way of public opinion and the burden of things that have nothing to do with them yeah. because because that's how society works the that black women are expected to be the mules of the world as Dora Neale Hurston wrote in their eyes are watching god they're expected to be beasts of burden you know uh, the black superwoman you know and that and all of these things come into play and so being the first is so dangerous this podcast is supported by generous donations from our patrons and listeners. Become a supporter today by heading to www.patreon.com slash othercombosmedia. You can stream the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. When you listen, please consider hitting that heart button, sharing, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving some dope comments. This helps us with our paid drinkings and gets more listeners for the show. Thank you so much. All right. We are back and we're black. We are black. Did you know Britney Spears is having a baby? Whoa. Okay. Just want to tell you that. Wow. 
Congratulations to her. For years, she wasn't allowed to take out her IUD, and now she's having a baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we can also include her in the dangers of being one of the first. Ooh. Because look at her life. Again, you are not wrong. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, let's get into the conversation. Yes, sir. (laughs) And so, yeah, we're talking about the problem with firsts. Um, And for me, the, the thing about being first that really, really is problematic for me is just this concept of being the first. It really overshadows the work of those that made being the first possible. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you think about all these people, you go, wow, oh, my God, they got Holly Berry got an Oscar and Lauren Hill got all these Grammys and all this stuff. Wow, that's so amazing. And it's like and we want to put all of the all of the celebratory energy into these per- these people mm-hmm. reaching this milestone. But we need to also celebrate all the people that made that possible. Yep. Right. Yep. All the people who didn't get awarded but kept going. All the people that, that fought prejudice, that fought racism, that were literally putting their lives at risk so that black people could walk up on the stage in front of a, a crowd full of white people and get an award. Or people who did get awarded for roles that were you know, significantly mm. beneath them. Like Hattie McDaniel who was mm-hmm. awarded for Gone with the Wind where she had to play a mammy the entire time. That's a very good one. Um, and the one, the one that I think about, um, it stuck out to me, and, and it still, it still rings true for me today. Is Viola Davis? Um, I mean, number one, she's Viola, Viola Davis. She's fucking amazing. We all love her. She, she can do no wrong. She about to play uh, uh, Michelle Obama. She about to play Michelle Obama. I mean, and somehow she still looks like. I, and I them snot bubbles. I mean, wow! Like this, this not. Can't nobody snot bubble like Viola Davis, <laughs> right? And, and when you, th- but when you think about her career, right? So she's the first black woman to be nominated for three Academy Awards, right? Mm-hmm. So she, she is officially one of those people that is in, in the, in the league of firsts, like, like, like so many other accomplished black Americans. Um, also in 2017, she completed what they call the triple crown of acting. Ooh. These are actors or actresses who earn at least one competitive acting award at the Oscars, the Tonys, and the Emmys, right? And that's this. It basically proves you can act your ass off, right? Mm-hmm. Not not everyone gets this, and we always talk about egots. If you get an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony, and a lot of people, we were talking about this the other day. A lot of people get in there like on a technicality, like they had some unknown album or some really obscure like Grammy award that they got that no one really cares about, but you know they they touched all the corners. Mm-hmm. But the triple crown means I got an acting award right. in all three of these fields. And that is hard and it's difficult for you to even reach that level right. of acting and access, right? Mm-hmm. But when you think of when when she won her Emmy in 2015 for lead actress, um, she had she had that amazing, amazing speech. You probably remember it. It was mm-hmm. the one where she got up there and she said, there's that line. She, mm-hmm. and she was quote. She was she was calling Harriet, Harriet Tubman about these white women with their arms yep. open across that yep. line, but I can't get across that yep. line. I mean, that was a moment. Number yep. one, that was a moment. But what I want to highlight about that that speech was not her talking about the line and the white women across that line and kind of you know what that all symbolizes. But what she did in that speech is she said. I want to thank all the people that made this possible. The Taraji P. Hensons, the mm-hmm. Kerry Washingtons, mm-hmm. the Holly Berries, the Nicole Baharis, the, mm-hmm. the Megan Goods, the Gabrielle. She showed his shout out Nicole Bahari. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's to me what I think is most important. And she got up there and said, I got this award. And yes, I deserve this award. I earned this award. But I got this award based upon the efforts of all of these women. Yes, and so when I win this award, we are all celebrating. Yes, she this did. is all of our award. Yep. And I think that is really the... 
that is the sentiment that we all need to carry when we think about these people that win these first and, and how great and amazing they are is that this is a collective effort that makes these things possible. Yeah. I mean, it's collective, but I also think, you know, we don't give enough credit to the folks who do win those first because we spend so much time thinking that they're interchangeable. So it's, it's like holding both truths as well, right? Like it's absolutely collective. And I think that the way that Viola articulated it is perfect. But I also sometimes think that when black women win, it's diminished and it's undermined because it's like, oh, well, anybody could do that. And, and it's also then, like you said, diminished, but diminished to the point of saying, oh, a black woman won, not Viola Davis won. Right. right. And that and that is problematic in its own way. Right. The other the other thing, and this kind of goes off of this, um, our friend Casey Lehman wrote an article um, back in the day. It's about it, it was such a good article, but it was about it was like the cynical argument of wanting his daughter to. Um, what was, was the word? He wanted his daughter to um, to run a corrupt, corrupt ol- oligarchy like the United States. <laughs> um, and it basically, like, like, like I said, it's a cynical um, article, but it's all about I want her to drop drones mm-hmm. and I want her to to say that she's black, but then hold back, you know, helping actual black people. And let's get the context around this article. Right. He's writing this in 2016. He's writing mm-hmm. this during a presidential election. And his argument is that people are asking folks like Michelle Obama and Oprah Winfrey to run for president. And we shouldn't be excited to put a black woman in the White House. We shouldn't be excited to subject a black woman to having to deal with the pressures and the dynamics of a White House that is historically white mm-hmm. supremacist, racist, anti-black, misogynist, and that will put her in a, a place to essentially be attacked by people both domestically and internationally. And, the, and this is the problem with this this race for first yeah. of, well, we need someone to be in that position. We need right. someone to earn that. We need someone to hold that title. It's like, maybe we don't want all of these. Right. Maybe there should be no first. And maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't be in that position. Yeah. I think it's okay for us not to assume these positions where we're not wanted. I think it's okay for us not to be the first in a white supremacist, anti-black location, like a CEO of a banking industry that takes advantage of black people. We don't need to be CEO of Goldman Sachs. We don't need to be CEO of Wells Fargo. Why do we need to be a part of that? Because what does that actually mean? Right. It means that we are complicit. And I understand like there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Absolutely. We can parrot that all day. But what I'm also saying is that there is something very different about participating in capitalism because you need to feed yourself and leading the industry and being an industry uh, subject matter expert in in the face of an organization that if it had its way, it would just slide another black person in there and just fire you. And if you die one day, they find a black person the next day. That that culture to me is something we have to talk more about and we have to reject it. Mm hmm. And that and that was part of the big problem with the Obama presidency, right? It was right. Such, such a big moment. We're like, wow, in this country, a black man has been elected the president. Right. But you have to look a little bit closer and say, well, what does that mean? What does he now have to do? What does he have to face on a daily basis? Does does that actually change anything? Right. Or, or do we just now get to say a black person ran and won president? Especially when a lot of white people who elected him elected him because they felt comfortable that he had a white mother. Yep. Let's talk about that. What, too. what does the progress actually mean if he or had is been, it actual progress if he had been a dark-skinned nigga from fucking uh the bronx or brooklyn or baltimore oakland shit anywhere in the south and had the last name jenkins you know what i'm saying he wouldn't have had a chance 
And we got to stop acting like, you know, there's not a, a racial colorist dynamic to it, but also a classist and ableist. Like all these things are wrapped up in being the first. It's like they pick their racing horse. They pick the, they pick the black person that is respectable enough, uh, that is good enough, that has the right education, that has the right bona fides and expertise. And everyone else is just, you know, those black people. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the argument that you always make. And you've been very hit. I shouldn't say historic, but this is something for you that you bring up all the time because I think people don't recognize it enough, right? And the, the, one of the most classic examples is Claudette Colvin and Rosa Parks. We talk about this all the time. I talk about it all the time. And like, you know, shout out to Rosa Parks, right? Like we all learn about Rosa Parks as children, but we don't learn about Claudette Colvin because she was 15 and pregnant. Right. And she, you know, months before Rosa Parks sat on that bus, she sat on the, on the bus and had the exact same experience. And the movement decided not to not to to publicize her story. The movement decided that she wasn't the right face because she was darker skin, she was less respectable, she was less well connected. Rosa Parks had already established herself among activists and movement leaders, mm-hmm. you know? And like this is them ch- choosing between black women, right? Yep. And I would argue that that this is this is what we talk about as black queer feminists about those who are least among us, right? Those who are most marginalized being the ones that we censor. And it's very frustrating when black folks ourselves, we are the ones who are are are, are kowtowing and catering to catering to white supremacy and anti-blackness and saying, oh well you, you know, black girl, you're not the right kind of black girl, right? Like we could oh oh we love Viola, but I assure you if Viola was gay, we'd have a whole different conversation about Viola. Right. Whole different. Same thing about Katanji Brown Jackson. Like they liked her. I'm sure the fact that she had a white husband and then light skinned children or whatever, like that helps her. Like we got to be serious about this because what we're still doing is kind of cutting around the edges and asking to be a part of these systems that are still seeking to annihilate this. They're just they're just picking and choosing which black people are allowed. I always think about when Ann Coulter said our blacks are so much better than your blacks. Mm. And they really feel that way. Mm-hmm. And when they was talking about that, they was talking about Clarence Thomas. Who wasn't that a full circle moment? Wasn't it a full circle? Brought it right back around. Right back around. You can find my mom and dad, aka that black couple, on the web at thatblackcouple.com. That black couple is owned and operated by Color Combos Media. If you would like to help fund our content, sign up at www.patreon.com/colorcombosmedia. Please consider giving us $5 or $10 per month to help us build our platform and grow our organization. You can also give one-time donations at www.paypal.me slash media. All donations are welcome. So, you know, let's, let's reflect. Let's reflect. Let's reflect. Because you know what? This is the thing. Like... I think it's possible to hold immense pride and esteem, you know, when black women win. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the conversation really has to shift to what do we mean by win? Right. Yeah. And I don't I don't think it's it's a win. It's a milestone. It's a marker. Yeah. Right. Like uh, what's her name? Monique. When Monique won her Oscar, she said, thank you for Hattie McDaniel. Who had who endured all that she did so that I would not have to? So, but here it is complicated because I think it is a win, right? And this is a, this is and this is something I have to tell my students. Like, you know, I think for some black women, for some black people, it's a win. 
And if it is for any black person, we have to honor and regard that, right? You know, for Katanji Brown Jackson, I imagine this is a major win for her. This is probably a life accomplishment. I think about her colleague who came and was a, a roommate of hers in college and came in and spoke on her behalf at the um, confirmation hearings and the pride in that woman's face, right? Like that was a win for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I also don't want to, I don't want to diminish the ways that for some black folks, participation in these systems still matters to them, right? Like that, that's a thing. And I, I want to be careful and gracious about that, right? At the same time, I want to be thoughtful about the fact that the, the reason why we still hold those ethics and we still hold those commitments is because we continue to be told that the things that we build amongst ourselves and the communities and the, and the resources that we have amongst our own communities are not good enough. Yeah. Right. And that they they don't measure up. And so our ideas of winning, uh, of having positions of high honor and esteem are frequently those that are are white in some way, are, are white centered, are shrouded in whiteness. And so it's 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 being it's being thoughtful, but also being critical. And yes. and I want to always just think about what do we mean when we say win, when we say black success or black excellence? What do we mean? Because I think that when black trans women are able to survive, that is black excellence. It is. But I, and, and I think what your question is, is kind of the central argument here. Like what counts as a win? Yeah. And I think a lot of times when we think about these first, we're thinking about as an assimilationist tool, right? So yeah. like I've been accepted into the tent, yeah. right? I got that award. They, I got that position that no other person has held before, right? I've, I've, we've, we're now getting more and more accepted into society, right? And, and, you know, the secondary question to that is, is that the goal? Is the right. goal to be, you know, assimilated in or is the goal to change the system from within? Right. Right. And I think we have to get very clear about what our objectives are, especially as we move forward. Right. Because what I argue is that these wins are cute or whatever. These milestones are cute. They are just insufficient for black liberation. And so if, you know, the goal is to be accepted and assimilated in and integrated and all of that, that's going to have to be a goal on the way to something else, Mm -hmm. because that, as we've seen, does not free us. It does not bring us any more freedom. If anything, it just helps to to affirm anti-blackness because often those folks who have to integrate themselves into those systems have to comport themselves to white supremacist ideals. Mm-hmm. And I have to do this at work all the time, right? Like there's in some ways working for a private white institution, there are behaviors that I embody that I know are not in alignment with my central ethos. And I do my best. I do my absolute level best to reject that. I do my level best to speak out against that. But we know how power dynamics work and I still want to feed myself, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to, we have to be really critical about this and I'm not saying diminish folks' dreams or diminish folks' goals and ambitions. I'm just saying that hold those ambitions un- under the light. Yeah. And 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 look at the fact that most of this stuff that we are so excited about is is the excitement is through a lens of white supremacy and white supremacy will never, ever save us. It will never save us. It'll never honor us. And the moment that we slip, the moment that we are less, less than what they want us to be, the moment that we are not doing the extra mile and showing up even even more effectively and productively than our colleagues, they will let us go and they won't think a second about it. And you're and you're right, because I. 
initially when we started this segment, I said, oh, it's not really a win. And you're right, though. We need, we do need to count these as wins because we live in this crazy, terrible, oppressive society. And any time there is a moment for positivity, for celebration, yeah. we need to cling to that. I agree. And celebrate it and scream at, at the top of our lungs. Yeah. Right? But that's not enough. And that's yeah. what you're saying is that that's we can't stop there. You take a pit stop. You say, "Ooh, yeah, that was Yay. great. We did that shit. Yep. Now on to the next. Keep it moving. Keep it pushing. Because that's what that is what requ- is required of us, whether we like it or not. That is yeah. what is required. I agree. Thank you all for listening. Before you go, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that BLK couple on Facebook at that black couple. And look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. Bye.